Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home. Hey, Beth. Hey, Caroline. Can you believe that since we premiered in 2020, Decorating the Set has been so popular abroad, having appeared on Apple's top 250 podcast charts in over 20 countries, including Japan? I can't believe it. I never thought that it would be so popular in countries like Denmark, France, Germany, Hungary, the Czech Republic, South Africa, and Romania. And Indonesia, Portugal, India, Morocco, Italy. Especially Pakistan, Uzbekistan, Australia, Kenya, Austria, Canada, and Israel. I feel so lucky to know our podcast reaches all the way around the world. I never even imagined when we started talking about it that it would come to be, let alone be in its fourth season and so popular abroad. It's amazing. I, I love that we're finding like all these universal truths out there, right? Yes, Things that exactly. people want in their in their decorating, um, you know, spans all the way around the globe. And it's that last country that you mentioned that brings us to today's episode, Israel. Each season since season two, we've dedicated an episode to our international audience. And this year, we are going to take you inside the TV and film industry in Israel. Pretty amazing, Yeah. It is. Our guest today is Israeli set decorator and production designer Ohad Ostro. Ohad was a delight to meet and fascinating to listen to his career, starting as an entry-level art apprentice, rising through the ranks of the industry. So among the list of credits in Israeli-specific productions, now, I mean, he's done lots of work. Yes. Ohad has worked on some U.S. crossover productions like HBO Max's Valley of Tears and the newest season of the Netflix series Fauja, which has just come out on Netflix. Beth, we touched on this on the interview a little bit, but tell us about how you came to meet Ohad. Well, Instagram brought us together. He direct messaged me. And as you'll hear in the podcast with him, he very poignantly tells that he was sort of at an impasse in his career and loving the business the way he does. He was just concerned because it was a time when he wasn't working and it was sort of a fork in the road for him and he was deciding what to do. And we just encouraged each other through Instagram. You know, it's the way that I've met a number of our guests. And it's the way that I'm approached by people, not only with their questions about decorating, but, you know, artists send me their work. I'm learning new things and seeing different artists every day. 
Yesterday, I, I found this uh, ceramic artist who actually fires small pieces, but in her microwave. And uh, yeah, and do not she, try this at home. Warning, <laughs> caution, listeners. Like a little kiln to put in her in her microwave, and wow. uh, just all these things spark my interest because, as a set decorator, you never know when something's going to come up. In one of my last Last projects last year that will be airing soon, I found the most incredible appropriate wallpaper in, of all places, Italy. And that Italian company worked with us to get us what we needed quickly. And so um, I'm having an international experience with uh, <laughs> my purchasing. And right. I'm also meeting some incredible counterparts to what I do and, and incredible artists. That's amazing. And and remind our listeners, because I know that we, we talk about this all the time, about feeling comfortable to reach out to you. But I feel like Ohad's a really great example of like, look, you guys, this is someone who purely was just an, an admirer of Beth's work. And, you know, she is that reachable that now we are interviewing him on the podcast. So please don't hesitate. How can they reach you, Beth? Actually, I really suggest reaching out to me on Instagram. I recently found years of messages on Facebook that I had never answered. Mostly the same question, what color is Alicia's bedroom? Uh, it's beach glass, <laughs> Benjamin Moore beach glass, uh, once again. Uh, and I tend to get a lot of messages, but I see them more quickly on Instagram. So Instagram me, d- direct message me at Beth Kushnick. Okay, listeners, you guys are in for a treat. This is our interview with Israeli set decorator Ohad Ostro. Beth and I will be back afterwards to wrap up this episode. Joining us today is one of our newest international friends, Israeli set decorator Ohad Ostro. Ohad, thank you so much for joining us today, all the way from Israel. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for enjoying me. Very excited. I am so glad that you got to join us because we have lots of international listeners and get to know a little bit more about international friends that we have out there. How did you meet Beth and how did you sort of come into our fold here? Beth, I met, I met in the Instagram. And we started talking about set decorating. Uh, actually, we met, uh, now I remember, the, the corona time. And, uh, it, yes. was, uh, it, it was in a difficult time and we started talking and actually I was, uh, I was looking for a new job. Well, all that happened in the world, so it's all got quiet in jobs and people looking for jobs and everywhere. I was sitting at home and I was like, started talking with her and uh, the conversation uh, got, uh, so she, uh, after a while, she was, uh, she was so lovely and uh, she said that maybe I should uh, be interviewed to her podcast. So uh, I was very flattered. Well, we're so happy to have you ask. We're so happy to have you, Ohad, through the magic of Instagram, which is a great tool for me. I find my counterparts in different countries and different artists and all kinds of vendors doing creative things. It's part of my daily search and I was lucky enough to start a conversation with you. So welcome. I'm very flattered. Thank you. Will you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the business? I started from the bottom and climb with the years and different projects. 
Well, I started in, uh, in Israel, I think, uh, almost almost 20 years ago. I'm very young, but uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. I started uh, actually doing uh, like companies uh, performs and different kind of uh, events in Israel. And uh, re- really quickly, uh, there were people that um, dragged me into the industry and uh, told me, okay, now you are a helper. And now you are a propsman, and now you are. Uh, after some time, I think after after five or six years, I was uh, uh, very interested in the set decorating. What's your training like? Do you have a background in architecture or uh, set design? My first love in sets and the whole idea of uh, you know making a different world in our uh, reality. It was actually at high school that I learned cinema. I learned cinema for. For uh, four years, and uh, after that, I went. Uh, I went to college, and I learned uh, two years there, and then I did some more uh, seminars to get better with uh, programming and uh, computer. And is that a popular topic in Israel? Is it often taught in high school and college? If you're really interested in something, you need to first go like to the books and people mm-hmm. that started the whole idea of uh, you know cinema and uh, set decorating and it's all there is so much history on this uh, in this kind of job my opinion is that you need to respect what happened before and then you can get forward that's so true i in every way you know the history of everything from architecture to drapery to furniture styles it's so much a part of our industry and being informed about all those different areas it does really affect the conversations that you have you know with designers and with producers and directors if you can speak well about all different things everyone in the film business i think uses references to different periods and styles a lot even if you're doing a a modern project they always refer to other movies as style choices it's a big world of, of all this uh, industry that we are in it. With all this uh, corona time, when I met you, everything started to get a little bit more, uh, in my life, a little bit more shaky because I didn't know... If you remember, now I'm, I'm remembering mm-hmm. the first conversation that we had. And you told me, hold on, hold on, mm-hmm. because this is something that you really love. You actually, you didn't speak with me or... or or anything but through like images that I put on on the Instagram and you could feel that I really love what I do and this is the Absolutely. truth really, you, I really you, love what I do yeah you changed up your Instagram game big time and and started sharing with your followers and everyone what you were doing and it's great and in that particular time i was really like uh, if you remember i was talking about uh, maybe i should uh, try another job or maybe i should uh, had a lot of uh, conversation with my wife at home about it because you know eventually we need to put some uh, food on the table yeah? yeah i was happy to finally to speak with somebody that understand how important the love for our professional it takes you by hold and i couldn't do anything else and i think i wrote you about it that i tried but i really didn't try because i can't i can't (laughs) i know how to design sets i know how to to make this thing happened and it's a tool that 
It's like it's God in your DNA. Me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, had tell us. Um, are there unions in Israel? What's the process for getting involved in the film industry? Yeah, there is. A, there is a union. These couple of years, it, it got really bigger, and I'm really proud of it. It's uh, collecting something like uh, more than a thousand people. The union did um, all of kind of uh, professionals in the industry, like photographers and you know uh, script writers and assistant directors and all kinds of uh, and and you're all in the same union yeah this there is only one that is uh, professional in israel there was a lot of websites like this and that you know to get jobs but not a union that actually uh, combines everything together yeah there is a union and uh, if somebody is uh, listening they're more than welcome to come and join us what kind of movies and television shows are made in israel they do things like israeli units of different movies where they come just for a little bit what do you find is keeping everyone in israel the most busy the advertisement uh, industry it's the biggest commercials yeah commercials it's the biggest one that there is uh, passed by the you know the movie industry like in a heartbeat I have to say we have certain people for certain industry there's like a group of people that comes to commercials and because the industry in Israel it's not it's not so big it's uh, you know everyone knows everybody yeah I'm so Over the years you can you can actually uh, you are uh, working with with the same circle of people that's right same. like we keep our same crew and sort of travel together and some ways I, I've spent you know over 20 years with some of the same people so we go from job to job do people now know you mostly for your television work I don't think I'm I'm, I'm a famous man in Israel. I'm, I'm just, I'm just a, a regular man that's working in Israel. <laughs> yeah. Are you called a set decorator in your job there? I'm a set decorator. And uh, above me, there is a production designer. I have uh, two two production designers that I'm uh, working with, both of them, in the last five years. Uh, very proud of uh, what we have uh, become as a group. And uh, actually, I love each and every one of them uh, maybe I, I, I say the name maybe somebody will know but uh, Nir Alba is a great uh, production designer in Israel and uh, Eyal Bitterman is uh, the production designer of uh, Fauda that uh, come will come in Netflix and another big series here in Israel that uh, we have uh, Valley of Truth maybe you heard about it it uh, came out in uh, HBO Max Uh, in 2020. Seems like a resurgence or even the start of some really popular Israeli television shows that have caught on in the States. Everyone's watching them. The start of something bigger than, than before, you know, even if people don't know the language, they're subtitled and Speaking in Yiddish, I think, uh, has been very popular amongst Americans. It's like a resurgence of what my grandmother and my mother used to speak, so no one knew what they were talking about. Yiddish? Yeah. Yes. They speak Yiddish. Wow. 
So maybe yeah. you speak a little bit Yiddish. Uh, well, a little bit. Uh, Abyssal. Uh, yes, Abyssal. Abyssal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my mother born in Poland and my grandfather's also spoke with uh, with me in Yiddish. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, a language that's gone away a little bit, I think. Uh, oh, it's really coming back. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just saw a production of Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. Oh, great. It was an incredibly beautiful production where through technology, they um, would project English subtitles up on the stage and you could look at them if you wanted to or sort of avoid them with your eye. The set design was brilliant, so simple and brilliant. It's a great production directed by Joel Gray. It's amazing that the entire cast learned Yiddish uh, for the show. It's a beautiful language. Do you have specific vendors? Is there like a support system of prop houses and vendors with products that are rented or sold that you tend to go to? Yeah, yeah. There is a there is a free big, uh, yeah, only free big uh, warehouses in Israel that uh, works with the industry. Actually, they are um, more than thirty years in the industry. Wow. Most of them, yeah. And uh, we use them uh, a lot, like every production. I'm going to all of them. Like, it's people that I already know, and there's a lot of props and a lot of the furnitures and chairs and w- w- whatever you need, that they have it. And uh, it's make the job easier, but uh, a lot of times I'm not considering the what I have in, in these particular warehouses. I'm actually preferring the... Think about the set first and what it needs, and not what there is in warehouses like this. But sometimes there is. I'm sure there are things that are difficult. Yeah, but there is like you know sometimes it's because you already know a lot of the you know the props and a lot of a lot of things that you you have. There is sometimes that I read the script and I'm like, you know what, this would be perfect for this (laughs) material. It's there. So, do you find that shooting on location is something that's easy? Are uh, the local people into the film business and helpful, or like say in New York, is it something that they might not necessarily embrace? The locals more embrace the the industry here because we are actually. I'm, I did a lot of productions that made only in people's houses. So we actually go inside of people's houses and change them to our different kind of sets, you know. It's very embraced here in, in Israel. Uh, a lot of locations here are... Uh, Real practical location. Yeah, you find yourself sometimes going to the same house over and over again in a different series, and every time uh, design uh, the living room different. <laughs> or, yeah, it happens. It's all right. And are there support services for productions? especially when you're shooting out in the elements. How large is, like, the average crew, say, on on Fauda? Between uh, 40, 50, 55 people. This is a large crew in Israel. It's a little smaller than in the States. Yeah. What would that be for you? Would that be a small production? or? Yeah, we're, we're sort of run 
you know, a hundred or more, but I'm sure it's because we have a lot more waste here. You know, you're talking about the people that are going on a payroll or yeah. Yeah. you're talking about the people going on the payroll because we have a lot of suppliers that they are maybe working, uh, you know, half the production, but they didn't put it on the category of uh, on the payroll. So right. like my, uh, yeah. let's say the construction builder or something like that, that I work with the whole entire production is not on the payroll. He's like a separate vendor. That's it. Yeah. But he's with me the whole production. So we are uh, sending our arms a lot of places and big productions. It's really, really, you get places, you know, to the government and uh, the army and to make Fauda, we had so many, uh, you know, uh, different kind of, uh, you know, uh, leads to places that uh, we had to get to do what people see on the screen. It's, uh, you know, different kind of streets and different kind of uh, places that we we took. It was really difficult to you know, to find and to get this. It's so interesting, you know, there's an element of set decoration that people don't tend to think of. It's more like the mechanics of a location. When you're working on period pictures, you know, let's say before air conditioners, the set decorating department would be responsible for taking all the air conditioners out of a window in a building or when you're doing battle scenes or um, scenes with big equipment. It's not always that a set decorator does the beautiful things like great furniture and fabrics. So much the organization of the things that people don't even realize are involved in turning a location into something simple. It's so fascinating, Beth, the things that you're in charge of. I can't imagine you having to be up there with, like, a screwdriver taking out air conditioning units well, and everything. not me, but, but my not crew. You. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. I, I'm pointing. I love it, delegating. I did Vietnam War Story was the first HBO series ever done. We made rice patties out of fields in, in Georgia with the local unemployment labor force. You know, when you think about creating rice patties, you don't think about set decoration. Um, <laughs> but it was my job to make that happen. That's so crazy. Oh, we talk all the time about for Beth, she has a super love of lighting. And that's like a key aspect of Beth's work. Is there any part of, of the job for you that you feel like is just like your special touch that you put on things that you are like, I just really care that this particular part is exactly right? Wow, what a question. I have to say uh, colors. Colors. I love colors. I love the match between colors. This is the most important thing on the set for me. The production designer, before we are, uh, you know, in the pre-production, we are uh, talking about the, the colors that has to paint the whole series and how it's supposed to be. I love when we coming to a different kind of sets and there is a match between each and every set with the colors. And there is like feeling that you can get with the actor is like 
sad, so maybe his his room will be blue. Afterwards, there is a scene in a different kind of set, and then we are plugging in some lightning or some uh, fabric or some uh, you know curtains or uh, like with with different kind of stuff that makes a story with colors. So this is what I, I really love to do in, in sets. It's character-driven work, you know, everything that we do and consider. Sometimes even when people don't notice, it's sort of the highest compliment because we've done the right thing to support the character and to tell their story and just add to it visually, but we don't take away from the script or the actor. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how you do it, but the ones that are really, really like uh, connecting to it, mm-hmm. I read the first time the script after I finished, I read it all over again, like, because I was stunned by the, how it written, how my mind got bigger when I was, and I'm fantasizing the whole thing. So when I really love a script, I, I, I'm reading it like twice. That's because you're reading good scripts so hard. <laughs> it's true. There's a difference, you know, but even when you read a television series over and over through the years, you know, sometimes one script isn't as great as, you know, the next, but it, I I think you're right. Upon first read, even if a script doesn't speak to you, you start to break it down and there's a a way to always find something that as a set decorator, you can contribute. For sure. But to connect to the story, it's it's really important, I think. I don't know uh, how I became a set decorator uh, of this particular subject, but I have to say in the last five or six years, I'm doing a lot of series that connect to the army here in Israel. So I actually, I had this uh, couple of years that actually I'm doing like army series or movies or stuff about uh, you know soldiers and what so it just happened actually and you get more experience because i'm every time i'm getting like a new project it's different uh, different uh, period of time sometimes it's about the war in 73 or sometimes it's about uh, some girls in the army that uh, are stuck in our days the subject is always the army so that that's actually the the last couple of years you know as a set decorator we become experts on like a microcosm, a, a period of time, or even like some jobs I've done, even as small as a commercial. I did a commercial for Amnesty International, and it was all about candles burning. And for that short period of time, I became which candles and how they burned became my obsession almost. You know, we, <laughs> we, we research things and have to have a kind of quirky knowledge of very specific things to pull off our jobs. I think it's great that we need to investigate. Yes. <laughs> you have to have a, a serious curiosity. Yeah. It's magic to us listeners, for sure, because I know that there's stories that Beth has shared with our listeners about times when a job just seemed like it was not going to come together. Oha, do you have a time when you felt like, oh, my gosh, this was just going to be impossible to pull together, but somehow you made it work? Something finally clicked? I have a lot of them. Because, uh, I love it. Tell us one. <laughs> Israeli writers are really ambitious. 
like there are have a lot of dreams and a particular one uh, i need to choose one now um <laughs> you can choose more than one but at least one at least one so well the biggest one i will i will choose the biggest one uh value of trust it's a series that came out in 2020 in uh, hbo max talk about the war that we had here in Israel in 1973 and this war came up upon us and they tried like every like Syria and uh, Egypt and it's a, a little bit of history for one second I'm sorry so uh, they attacked us in Yom Kippur and we were like not ready for it and the series talk about the first days of this war and when i read the script there were like uh, 2000 syrian tanks that came on the border against free tanks that we had there and it's a big big story here in israel and um when i read the script i was thinking how the hell we going to 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 make these 1973 tanks move or even where the hell are we going to find <laughs> things now like how are we going to do it i was really concerned we didn't know and it was really a big 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 effort uh, like eventually it was really a big after uh, effort with the army with a lot of resources that we did and special effects and so many different kind of techniques to, to make this whole thing happen uh, stuff that i really I, i i never used before to work with uh, you know a special effect on sets and you know green and blue and did they do visual effects yeah and to duplicate you know mm-hmm. the tanks that we did and there were so many really really talented people that worked on that to see that come to life it was really amazing to me the uh, the production designer of this series uh, Nir Alba well he's my mentor he was he always was uh, he still is of course he was really like uh, we will make it happen don't worry or oh, we'll, Beth we'll... you need that calming voice huh <laughs> yeah of that it will happen we will do it we will make it don't worry eventually somebody put a camera and shoot something don't worry <laughs> so don't worry and uh yeah you you need to hear it sometimes yeah because our work are really sometimes get stressed out like so much <laughs> well it does seem like you guys have to create things out of thin air it must be so satisfying to see it on the screen but only you guys really know how much work went into making that happen You know, it's amazing the timing, how one day you can have a total frustration and that doubting of yourself. And you realize when you look back on it that 24 hours later, you've completely solved it, accomplished it. It's almost far away because it's behind you. So, you know, it's a little bit of that roller coaster and... I'm telling you, even over 30 years into it, I have those days of doubt and you get past it like part of the routine. You guys are adrenaline junkies. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. You're like getting, you get all stressed out and then you're like, ah, finally it hits, right? It's perfection. Well, I'll tell you, it always seems monumental. I think we have a little bit of that just by virtue of the, 
being in the film business, you know, it, it takes you away from the everyday logic for a minute because everybody always has this expectation that we can do anything and we always pull it off. It's sort of as set decorators, I think production managers and producers and directors, they sort of know that when they have a team that they can depend on, even if I'm saying we're never going to be ready and it's never going to happen, that it always does. It's just our own self-doubt that you got to get through, but we always pull it off. I think the work team to work with the, you know, with the, the right director and the right producer, that everybody, you know, it's eventually it's a conversation between people, yes. So, yes. And everybody needs to, to agree that there is one target, that the most important thing is to make the right shot, that, that yeah. to do the best with what they have, with the tools that they have, they are like a puzzle, like, uh, you know, like you're making a puzzle. This is what you do. And sometimes you do it in 30 seconds on the set <laughs> sometimes. And sometimes you do it in the pre-production four months before right. you even know right. where we shoot it. So, you know, it's this, yeah. And we are actually, and you are right, we are adrenaline junkies. I think y'all are. <laughs> y'all enjoy the, the chaos and the crisis of it all, I think. It's it's amazing. And I know that Beth has favorite projects. Ohad, um, do you have a favorite project that you've worked on, whether it was particularly challenging or whether it was just a really satisfying production to work on? So the favorite one is for sure the, the one that I met my wife. Happened... Something like 2017, I think. It was a movie for kids, and I work with the production designer called. Uh, his name is uh, Yuda Ako, and uh, he's uh, actually he's a big production designer here in Israel. Is uh, his name is really known actually in the states as well because he worked Power Rangers with uh, Saban, uh, maybe. Uh, sure. Maybe you heard about him. So yeah. he's the production designer that I work with in this particular movie. Yeah. And uh, I met my wife there. And uh, I think that's the best project that I did because it gave me my life today. That I'm uh, happily married and uh, have uh, Uriah, my uh, youngest son, and changed my life uh, completely. The, the whole uh, road through the industry. That's amazing. I think Beth, what's what's such a interesting, but then also kind of um, like we kind of knew this. We knew that it was going to be a family, no matter where in the world these productions were being made. I think that we had a hunch that even though we didn't know everything about Israeli production, we had an idea that you guys were going to work similarly as the ones in the states because it just seems like this industry in general. You guys have to communicate. You have to work together with all the other departments. To, to pull this off, I think it's really heartwarming to find out that it's so universal. Like your yeah, job sounds exactly like same, Beth's. We're all yeah. cut from the same cloth. Yeah, all you guys, <laughs> you're all working so hard and yeah. trying to make this happen. And it's so, such a stressful gig to create entertainment for the rest of us. You know, the responsibilities of a set decorator, the organizational aspect and the thought process and the visuals and, uh, you know, it, it, it's super good training for a lot of situations in life. You know, it makes you a problem solver and 
I encourage people who want to get into our industry to study everything. Goes back to what Ohad said originally. You have to know a lot about all different aspects of things. And every day you sort of put your brain to the test. Combined with the whole uh, life itself, you know, uh, family, kids. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And uh, if you are uh, two people working in the industry, to do as as a family, it's a roller coaster, really. It's, uh, yeah, it's a hard life. We're talking now, and tomorrow, actually, I'm on the plane with my wife and kid to film for two days uh, shooting in, in at Rome. So uh, we are actually on the plane tomorrow for. Hey, why aren't I going to Rome for a few days? <laughs> you are so welcome. Oh my goodness, Bethy. You absolutely need to go I do like a console. Kind of jobs, really. Right? Yeah. Actually, it's, uh, it's my wife's uh, production. She's uh, need to go with the actors, and uh, they are uh, shooting two days at Rome. Uh, you know, we're joining along as a family. Wow, nice. With, yeah, Rome and yeah. Italy is a, a hot spot, you know, between uh, White Lotus this season and some other jobs, Succession, and it's become a hot location. It, the world feels much smaller in set decorator land. It feels like you could be all over the place and be doing your job. I love it. This is why I uh, first uh, talked with Beth. Beth. Yes. Yeah. The, um, the amazing nature of social media, right? I wanted to, you know, uh, get expanded to, the, to, to go places, to, to do different kinds of things, more, to get more, to do more. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like you, Beth. That sounds yep. like, that sounds right, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hot. Season four of Fauja is set to hit Netflix in January of yeah. 2023. Can you tell us a little bit more? <clears throat> well, you know, we, I, I, I cannot really say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no secrets. But, but I, will, I, will, I will tell you that a large group of wonderful people and so talented people work on that project. And we are so proud of it here in uh, Israel and uh, what it, it become in the world. I have really the privilege to work with these uh, wonderful people and actors and uh, and our wonderful director, uh, Omri, and the wonderful um, producers that we had and uh, my production designer, of course, uh, Eyal Biederman. And um, I am uh, I'm really, really thrilled that you're going to see it. It's we are. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, cool scenes. <laughs> A lot of uh, really, uh, you know, big, uh, big, uh, big explosions and stuff like uh, everybody loves. I love and it. Really cool action, and That's um, great. yeah, and uh, I think you will really love the new car- uh, characters. There is uh, some uh, new ones, and you will uh, you embrace them. Well, tell us where we can find you on social media. Uh, social media for me, it's uh, now it's the Instagram. It's Ohad Ostro in the Instagram, you can find me. I'm working through there. And actually, there is a lot of things to, to see there. So. There are a lot of great pictures and great behind the scenes of uh, Israeli productions. So everybody should check them out. 
Yeah. It's amazing. Thanks for giving us this glimpse, Ohad, into this whole other world that I feel like our listeners is, are going to have a lot of questions about. So for sure, are, were, would you be willing to come back and join us another time? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. It was really fun. Thank Fantastic. you for joining us. Um, Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to consider you our ambassador in Israel because we have a big international following. And we hope you come back soon. Thank you so much, Ohad. Thank you. Thank you. It was wonderful to talk with you. Thank you. We'll have to have Ohad back as we continue to grow this international audience. I'm excited, Beth. I think there's so many amazing projects that are coming down the pike here for us to talk about with you. I know that season four is going to be jam-packed with lots of exciting tips and tricks for everybody. So is there any specific projects that you want to, uh, you know, maybe tease our audience with? Well, what I can tell you is that I worked on my first horror movie of my career this past summer, and that's going to be coming out soon, and we'll talk about it. In the meantime, the Katie Holmes-directed film that I did called Rare Objects will be out in mid-April, and we're going to have a great interview with Jake Bear from Newell Props, where we did a bulk of the job, because if anyone has rare objects, it's Newell. So come back and listen to that episode. Beth, I have to tell you, in January, um, I went to the WB Prop House um, in Burbank and got a tour of it. And it was so much fun to get a glimpse behind the scenes of your job and like walking around and seeing all the little tags that you've described to us for different shows that I recognized and things that were being pulled for the different set decorators. And I was like, just like drooling, drooling. Mm -hmm. People in my group were like, no, how does this work? And I want to be like, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta like zip my lip because I was like, really, what you want to do is listen to our podcast because we will tell you how this gets done. But it was amazing to see. Really, I was drooling for you over all the lights. I was like, oh my God, look at That's all the great. beautiful lights. It's true. You know, I've heard recently from a few people who've recommended the podcast to people who are starting in the industry and to old timers as well. So if you're in the industry or if you love decorating, this is the podcast to listen to. Absolutely. Thank you guys all for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review. It helps a lot in promotion of the show. Five stars, people. Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home is an original Pod Clubhouse production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.